Uh, I don't know if you're going to think this is funny. I, I got to tell you, I do. Um, you know, a few weeks, I think it was last week, I can't remember the week before, I was telling about Tony Almasucker, who's the speaker. Uh, by the way, I'm wearing this shirt that says sign up, uh, you know, for the men's conference. But uh, I told about how Tony was hiking up Mount Whitney with a group of friends and just suffer, suffered from uh, exposure and was literally dying from it. And one of his friends uh, literally got him into a sleeping bag, uh, peeled off all the clothes. He peeled off his clothes, got in, and just used his body heat to make sure that he survived. And what I was told just today is when I was telling that story about how that friend was there for him, that a guy who was in this room leaned over to his friend and said, dude, you would have died. <laughs> so I wouldn't do it for you. I'm sorry. Uh, you'll go to heaven. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> I just think that's funny. Anyway, where we're at, and if you have your books open, glance at this, we're talking about how do we make sure that we don't inflict this wound on someone else? You see, uh, uh, I've been talking to a lot of different guys here, some of you, and and we've been talking about something, and that is, uh, you know, okay, this has happened in your life. How do you make sure and not repeat the cycle? How do you break it? How do you stop it from happening? And uh, I'll tell you, I, I, again, I don't pretend to be a counselor. As a matter of fact, my assistant would tell you I'm really not good at it. Uh, she begs you not to come to me. There's Doug's here, uh, uh, Daryl's here, you know, people who are way better. Uh, but I've sat with some people and I've, I've looked at them and they describe what they're doing. And then I ask the question, is that how your dad treated you? And um, over the last two weeks, the answer every single time is yes. And the question is, how do we break the cycle? Because you can break it. The Bible talks about the sins of the fathers being visited down on the children of the third and the fourth generation. We can break the cycle. So we're talking about how do we make sure we do not inflict this wound and how do we break the cycle? Then here's the other thing we're going to talk about tonight. How do we deal with the wound if it's a part of our lives? I know we left it hanging last time and we didn't talk about how to confront it and find freedom and that's where we want to go into tonight. And then if I don't have this, if this doesn't describe me, why am I here in this moment? Well, there, there's four other wounds we're going to look at. But let me tell you this, is that you and I have a calling from God not to just take care of ourselves. We really need to look for ways to, to help others. And, and if there's a significant number of people dealing with this, how can I uh, at least help people to understand that I get it? I get how you're feeling. And, and the Bible says that we rejoice with those who rejoice and we weep with those who weep. How do I, I make sure and, and get it? Well, I can't get it if I don't understand where they're coming from. And so if this it doesn't describe you, I want to say praise God. I, we, we're glad. But you know what the reality is, is? Is we all want to be there for each other. And so we've got to grab a hold of that. So let's summarize where we're at right now and then we'll dig into where we're going. Uh, uh, first of all, if you have your outlines under A, it says this. We are in the process of seeking to make sense of why we are the way we are. Why we are the way we are. Remember the whole idea of the unexamined life isn't worth living. And each of us has a story to tell. And when I was sharing about my story, I was trying to do it in a way to reveal a part of who I am, be transparent before you. But I also wanted to ask you to think about what's your story? What are those good moments you've had? What are the sad moments you've had? What's a noble moment you've had? What's a time where you had to overcome and you did? Or maybe a time where someone had to come alongside you and help you to find freedom. But, but the bottom line is all of us need to be able to tell our stories. And, and we're going to challenge you as time goes to be able to jot down who your story is and how that applies to you. 
Uh, the next thing is this, is we need to be able uh, uh, to connect the dots in our lives. So in number two, it says each of us, to some degree, is a product of our past. Each of us, to some degree, is a product of our past. There, there's no doubt that, that what's happened to your past affects you. And, and it causes you to act or react in certain ways if you haven't faced up to it and stopped it. And so it's going to feed into who we are. Now we can rise above and we can be better than it or, or we can allow it to ham, hinder or hamper us. But we've got to understand that everybody to some degree is a product of their past. And so we've got to make sure that we use the good in our past to make us better and, and the bad in our past. We've got to make sure it doesn't control us. Number three, each of us in some ways is controlled by the past until we consciously and willfully choose to break that control. Uh, uh, controlled and control of the villains. Uh, we can break the cycle. We don't have to let it continue to hold us prisoner. And so we need to grab a hold of that. And so what we are talking about is that by understanding the past we've had, understanding some issues we might face, well, then, then what we can do then is say, okay, no more. I'm going to put an end to this. And uh, remember, we can be a products. Uh, uh, we don't have to be products. We don't have to be prisoners. We can overcome. Now, B, we're exploring the first of five major wounds in life that shape us. The absent father wounds the first one. We'll get into the other four later. I think they're all vital and they're all important to know. Uh, but here's the definition of a wound. It's an ongoing emotional, social, or spiritual deficit ordinarily met in an unhealthy relationship with dad that must now be overcome by other means. Uh, if we didn't have dad in our life in the right way and we find ourselves not being able to deal in life with healthy ways, then, then the key is to say, okay, you know what? I, I'm going to overcome. I'm going to make sure that it doesn't control me. It doesn't hinder me. There, there's a deficit in a lot of men's lives because they didn't have that father figure. It, it's, it's a hole that's left there. And very often we try to fill that hole and, 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 and find ways to overcome. Too often that hole is filled with negative attitudes. Feelings of failure, habits, saying, well, you know what, then just forget it and giving up. You know, the bottom line is God says, let's don't do that. But we know we're living in a world today where 40% of children are growing up in fatherless families, and that is physically fatherless families. When we add in the absent father who's at home, it's a skyrocketing problem. It's an epidemic that we need to see stopped. And that's what it says in C. The wound is being inflicted upon our sons at epidemic levels today. And, and we want to put an end to this. Lance Morrow of Time Magazine was dealing with the whole absent father issue. And he wrote this. The damage caused by a father's absence may be severe and may last a lifetime. It's a shadow. The longing of sons for their fathers is almost physical. Something passionate, something profound. It is often mysterious to sons what it is they want from their fathers. But I have seen it in other men and I see it in my sons and their longing for me. When he began to be assigned to write this story, there was a horrific moment where he realized, wait a minute, I'm that absent dad. I'm traveling all the time. I'm not there. I keep saying it's my career. And he said, you know what? I've become a shadow figure in my son's life. And when I looked, that's what my dad was to me. And, and this writer of Time Magazine said, this got too personal. It hit way too close to home. See, dad is either a bright spot in a son's life or he's a mere shadow. He either is powering or empowering or he's hurting and creating pain. 
creating an emptiness. Which brings us to Malachi chapter 4. Uh, this is a very interesting passage because it's the last days passage. It's talking about when Elijah comes. And I want to ask you to think, what do you think the main message would be when God says, I am going to send Elijah the prophet, a man raptured into heaven on a, a fiery chariot with a great whirlwind underneath, and I'm going to return him to the earth in power and in might, and I've got a message for him. What do you think that message would be? Wouldn't you think the main message would be, you know, repent? Or maybe the main message is the Messiah is here and it's time to own up and grab hold of him. Well, well, I want to tell you, I believe that's a big part of the message, but that, that's not the main message. Look at the main message that's coming here. And it's in chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Behold, I am going to send Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers so that I will not come and smite the land with the curse. Now, I don't know if that boggles your mind. Do you get what's going on? I believe, by the way, we're in the last days. We'll, we'll be getting into that from time to time. I, I think, by the way, we're watching a positioning of the world economy to, to grab hold of the very things God said was going to be done. I think the way the world's looking at Israel today, man, is right out of the book of Zechariah 12, 13, and 14. Uh, I, I think we're watching all this occur before our eyes, and it literally is awe-inspiring to see where we're at. So what does the last day's church do? A church that knows the times we live in, that's aware that we're in those kind of moments, whether it's a year or 10 years or 20 years or 50 years. We don't know how long it'll be. God doesn't want us to know. But what does the church do that has this impending feeling? Jesus is going to split the sky. Do you ready? A big part of our message is to join with Elijah and say, dads, love your kids. Kids, love your dads. Isn't it interesting that we're living in a world today that desperately needs that message, especially here in the United States? It, it, it speaks to the fact of the time we live in. Dads, love your kids. Put them first. Don't be a, a distant father. Don't be a, a passive influence in their life. And God's great desire is that we see this great turning. Now, I want you to notice something else that says, look at verse 6 again. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children, the hearts of the children to their fathers, so that, I will not come and smite the land with the curse. Do you catch what's going on here? It says when a dads in general aren't loving their kids, kids in general aren't loving their dads. And by the way, I'm using kids for even me, any of us our age, to look at our fathers. He says the land that doesn't have that's under a curse. You know, and remember what we talked about? That, that, that 90 plus, some plus percent of drunk drivers are men wreaking havoc on the road. The majority of, of violent crimes are inflicted by men. The majority of murders are inflicted by men. If we had dads that love their kids in an incredible way, the crime rate would drop. Safety would be enhanced. Our, our, our country wouldn't be battling over morality issues and, and not seeming to find a course for morality. We would find Boys and girls growing up in homes of security and knowing what it's like to make good decisions and most of all, having a deep sense of self-respect because study after study shows that, that children who have a loving father have a deep sense of self-respect. And you know, we don't have that today and, 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 and it just we look at it and we think, man, this is scary. And I believe the United States, by the way, is leading the way in this. So it ought to not make, uh, 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 not, should not surprise us that we're falling behind. In education, 
You know, and, and I'm not trying to be total doom and gloom, but it's got to make you think, hey, we got to be careful about this because there is a nation called China that does have the fathers at home. And in China, there are more, there are more honor students in China than there are students in all of the United States. And we're telling our children today to go compete with them. And, and what is one of the key factors? Is it because their education is really that much better? Or is it the fact there's a father at home that takes an active role in their children's life? And it is a big part of their culture to do it. It is dishonoring for a father not to do it. And in our country, we, we don't even seem to know what honor is anymore. And uh, God says, I want you to know this is a big deal. It's a last days deal. Uh, it's a, a gospel deal. The part of the good news of Jesus is fathers love your sons. And sons love your fathers. And, and I think it's incredible that God calls out to that. And, and we need to grab hold of it and see it as a priority. Now, if you've got your outlines, look at this. There are eight, number two says there are eight proactive remedies for the absent father wound. Let's make sure we spend most of our time tonight on this. Okay, we've already agreed there is a wound. Many of you today would say it's personal for me. You'd say that's, that's me. Now, now, the fact you're wounded, by the way, that doesn't make, say anything about you. As a person, it doesn't mean you did it. If we walk out of here tonight, someone stabs me with a knife, I've got a wound, but it doesn't mean I inflicted it. It's one that was most likely inflicted on you. And you might have thought, why do I deserve this? Why wasn't I loved? Why wasn't I? But you know what? Let's, let's say this. We're living in a world today that's lost sight of it, a world today that doesn't understand love, that doesn't understand the callings of God. And, and so if, if you could do this, if you could, if I could do it for you, I would say, let go of the guilt of it. Let go of feeling like this had to do with you. And, 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 and not that it makes it totally easy to realize there's a lot of other men in your position or, or young guys in your position. And let me even stop. I, I got to do this. Um, I really made a, a um, I, I wasn't as clear as I should have been last week. Because I know some, some guys are here who are younger. And you're saying, well, great, I'm still living through this. Well, I want to tell you, it, it, it's really probably, almost for sure, not you. And uh, it doesn't always make it easier, but maybe you can let go at least guilt. And let's start talking about there are some remedies that we can do to, to start seeing an end to this. And uh, you're going to need to be over in 1 Timothy in a minute. But, but as you turn over there, notice this in the number A thing. It says, if you're a dad, and we're going to start talking first of all, if you're a dad, then we're going to say if you're a son. If you're a dad, make sure your son has the essentials. If you're a dad, make sure your son has the essentials. And, and make sure, number one, he hears certain things. And we already talked about these three things, but I want to say that you need to make sure they're heard. They're really, really penetrating into the conscious, into the psyche, into the soul of the sons you have. And number one, the words, I love you. And, and it comes with affection. I love you, and it comes with affection. Uh, it, it, it's a positive thing, a healthy thing for a father to say in powerful ways to his sons, I love you. To know what his love, the, the love language of his son is. You know, there's five different love languages, and you ought to know uh, what the love, and I want to say this in your daughter. You ought to know what the love languages your kids is, the main ones that feed into their soul, that cause them to rise up. And you ought, to, you, ought, you ought to make sure you're enacting those in different ways. You ought to plan intentionally to let them know they're loved. You need to show positive affection, healthy affection, the time to put that arm around and hug, the time to hold them close, uh, the time, and I would say this, there's a positive way of, a healthy way of kissing a child and saying, you know, you matter to me. And, and we need to be able to do that. 
And the kids, kids ought to know that kind of healthy love, healthy love. Because you know what happens when, they're, when that's not given, then we all start looking for the unhealthy version. And we just try to fill the void. Young girls going out just hunting for a guy who will love them. I can tell you this, too, is uh, being a guy who was a youth pastor for years, I can't tell you the number of girls would sit and be crying. They had just given them away, themselves away physically. And uh, I'd say, why you do it? And, and hear this. You want to know the number one reason I heard? It wasn't I loved him. Here's the number one reason I heard. If I didn't do it, he'd break up with me. And uh, I'm going to tell you, I'm going I'm to make a very, very educated guess that that girl didn't have a father in her life who showed her love and, and showed her healthy affection because she's, she's sure acting out in a way that's hurting her. And uh, you know what? It would empower her to know she's got a dad who stands behind her and with her in a positive way. So number one, I love you. Number two, I'm proud of you. But it's got to be for something real. You know, that we've had a very unhealthy view of self-image in our country today. And, and what it is, is we, we've acted like that if someone's put in a position where they fail, that that's the worst thing ever. Or where they don't get the starting spot, or they don't. And so what we've done is try to act like there's no differences in us. But the truth of the matter is, there's all sorts of differences in this room tonight. I, I mean, there are many of you guys who can outrun me, and there's some of you I can outrun. Uh, there, there's a, a, some of you guys who are a lot stronger than I am, and, and there's a lot of you, a lot of you who are stronger than I am uh, in, in big ways. And you know what? I'm looking around. I don't think I could beat a whole lot of you. But, but you know, the, the reality is, is that there is a difference in strength and in speed and in agility. And, 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 and you know, I go golfing with guys. This kills me. I love golf. I'm passionate about golf. I practice golf. And I'll go out and this guy's beating me by like nine strokes. And I'll say, when's the last time you golfed? He goes, oh, a couple years ago. And I'm like, I want to break his clubs. Not mine, his. And uh, you know what? It's, it's some people, are, have you ever just watched a guy go do that? And you're like, what's going on? Or here you are, man, and you unload on a softball with everything you have, and it just drifts and drifts, and the guy catches it. And by the way, Tim Roberts, our new worship pastor, we were out at Big League Dreams watching him play one time, and, and, and they have a rule not to hit the ball over the grandstands. And so we all go, Tim, hit it over the grandstands. And he smiles, and he swings like it's nothing, and the ball flies over the grandstands. I, I, it killed me. I can't even throw the ball over the grand, you know. And, and, and there's differences between us. And, you know, we've acted like we can't own up to those. We've had a wrong view of self-image, but what we can do is look at people and say, you know what you're good at? See, see, it's only I'm proud of you and meaningful if you can name something real. I'm proud of you because you are amazingly intuitive, and they know it. You'd be like the best counselor ever. I'm proud of you because, you know what, you took a stand at a time when everybody else was ready to fold. I'm proud of you because you are a great athlete. I'm proud of you because you're intellectually amazing. I'm proud of you because, and you can just nail these things. I, I got to tell you, my, my, both my sons, you know what I'm proud of them for? One of many things, they're both way more patient than I am. I've watched both of them get into situations where I would have got too intense or lost it, and I've watched them act with patience in those things. And, and to me, uh, I, I agree, there's a book out called The Love Dare, and chapter one is on patience. It says that love is, always has its, its foundation, patience. And you know what, I, I look at that, that to me is not a minor thing when someone's patient. And uh, we need to tell them I'm proud of you because, you ready for this? And I want to tell you, you're good at, you're good at. I've gotten to see you're good at this. I've gotten to see you're good at that. 
And, you know, all of us have some things that are our shining strengths. And, and, you know, wisdom says right now that while we ought to go ahead and work on our weaknesses a little, we ought to magnify our strengths more, our giftedness. And and a a parent needs to study their kids. We're going to talk about that more in a minute. Now, Now, the next thing is make sure that he has, if it's a son, make sure he has a manhood vision. And by the way, I want to say it's a good idea to have a manhood ceremony to seal it. Uh, uh, You know what, a a day that says, you know what, you're no longer a boy. Uh, In Jewish culture, there would be a point of bar mitzvah where they would actually declare a young young boy a man. Uh, uh, In Hasidic circles, by the way, to get there, you had to memorize Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy and recite it word for word from memory. Now, Now think about that. Some of you are going, man, I'd be in trouble. But you know what? In those kind of cultures, it's such a big deal. And it's something that started being taught from six years old on to the day that manhood was announced. And when that happened, they would announce, today you're a man. By the way, the whole idea, I don't know if you caught this. The word, the idea of a teenager is a very, very United States thing. It's not part of culture in the past. It was either you're a boy or you're a man. And there was a moment when you were declared a man and you knew it. My father found out he was a man when his father took him out one day and gave him his first rifle and said, I think you're old enough to handle this and you're ready to shoot and I'm going to trust you to handle it and clean it as a man. And so at 10 years old, he was declared a man with his first rifle. I don't think we'll be doing that to a lot of 10-year-olds in our time, but you know, who knows? Uh, My sons, maybe I could have done it better. Let me tell you what I did. When each of them turned 10, I took them out and we had a time together and I said to them, I want to tell you something. Uh, today I, I see you more of a man. I'm going to treat you like a man. And I'm never going to spank you again. Uh, never, you, there's nothing you could do. If we can't reason through something, then you know what? I, I think you are a person of reason. I think you're a person of intellect. And so I just, I'm just going to start treating you differently. And, and we're not going to tell you as many things to do. We're going to let you decide whether you want to do them or not. The way your room is, that's your choice from this point on. And by the way, I I bit my tongue over that time and again looking at their rooms because, you know, but I thought, you know what, it's their time to have to learn and and maybe at times we can encourage, but the truth of the matter is, is is I just wanted to have that moment and said, this is it, you're a man. Now, looking back, let me say this, I wished I had done more. I wish that I had done better. I wish I had given them something. But, but you know what, there needs to be a point that says, I want you to have a vision of manhood and I want to tell you the day that I see you more than ever starting out in this whole new realm of life. The next thing we need to give our kids is a code of conduct to live by. Uh, if we're going to break the cycle, then we need to look at our kids and say, this is a code of conduct you live by. You're an honest person. You're a godly person. You put other people ahead of yourself. Uh, when you see someone with a need, you respond to it. Uh, uh, let me ask you guys who are older this. 1950s, 1960s, if a woman came walking up the pathway here carrying a bunch of stuff, what would happen? Wouldn't, wouldn't every guy around rush to help her? You know, and, and by the way, I think we're doing better than maybe the culture, but I've got to say what happens typically around here is we go, hey, do you got that? <laughs> no, we don't walk over and say, let me help you. Uh, you know what is, is, I think we need to teach our kids, no, you, you jump in and help. And, and you, you serve others. And you, and, and this is, but I think you got to ask the question, what would a code of conduct be? Uh, what would a code of conduct be that you, you treat a girl as she's special? You honor her purity. You want to have purity within yourself. And, uh, you know, that, that would be just the, the whole idea of what we have. And, and so we need to treat that as a, a code of honor, a code of conduct. Then this is a, the last one on this section, and we'll jump. Ready? 
We need to give our, our sons especially, all of our kids, but our sons especially, a transcendent cause. Something to live for other than themselves. And here's the main message. There are things that are bigger than you. There are things that are bigger than you. Something that matters more than you know. And, and, and I want you to think about that. I think without a doubt, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Ought to be there. And, and Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4 says a dad is to teach his kids that when they walk in the way and when they lie down and when they rise up. And you say, you know what, son, if you had to, to, to I want you to live your life for God. And I'm not trying to trip you out, but a day might come where you might have to die for God. But a man does that. That's a cause you would do. You, if you have put in that situation, you love God, you live for him, and you would be willing to die for him. Now, now, you know what uh, the other is? I, I tell you, we've kind of lost the whole idea sometimes of honoring country. And, and, you know, I think that we need to buy in and to say we're going to be the best citizens we can be. Uh, I think that, you know what, we need to be people who are buying in a sense of honor. But, but the bottom line is, is to say there's something you live for bigger than you. Bigger than you. Let me tell you one my dad taught me. And that is that my wife's happiness matters more than mine. Uh, my dad taught me that all my life. When one day you're going to meet a girl and you're going to get married, and let me tell you this, her happiness is a bigger deal than yours. And you, you feed into that. And by the way, he taught me that before I was a Christian. Uh, he taught me that before he was a Christian. And my dad also taught me your kids come first. And you only have your kids for a short period of time and you do whatever you can to make their lives better and successful. They, they're worth more than your happiness in your life. And you put the, and, and I was taught that, and, and it rings in my ears today, and I've tried to teach that to my sons, that they honor the women in their life, that they see their children as more important. And uh, we need to do that. We need to be loving people. First Timothy, if you're there, chapter one, verse five says this. It says, but the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So what do we do? Our goal of our instruction, period, the, the, is, is love. But, but notice, think what that means. Love from a pure heart and, and a good conscience and a sincere faith. And we try to pour that into our children, but especially into sons. That they have pure hearts and filled with love. And that they're good conscience and they have a sincere faith. And, and we try to talk about integrity and the need to rise up to that. Now, now catch this. Um, we need to take notice of the kinds of things that God wants us to do, the strengths. And we need to, to prepare our sons, if you're a dad, for a day that he's going to leave home. And you make sure he leaves with those three things. That I love you, I'm proud of you, and you're good at this, and I'm trusting you to make it happen. And I would say this, don't let them leave home without it. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 5. This is a powerful verse of scripture. And it applies to many relations in the family. But obviously it also applies father to son. And 1 Timothy 5.8 says this. It says, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. If I haven't provided for my, my family materially, then, then God says you're worse than an unbeliever. And if I haven't provided for them emotionally, and mentally and spiritually and, and, and taught them things to be able to make it in life. God says, what are you doing? There's, there's not a whole lot of things more important than that. You know, I've said this and I think everybody would agree, but you know, if you sell computers, that's, a, that's an honorable profession. But you know what? I'm positive that on your deathbed, you're not gonna look at me or someone in the room and say, I wished I had sold five more. But I can tell you this, if you've got kids, 
Um, and this is from someone who, who can look back on it. There's so many things I wished I had done better. And I tried to be a great dad. I really did. But there's so many things I wish now I had done better. And uh, th- those kind of things, it's not like I'm going to let it destroy me. But th- there are some areas of regret. And uh, if you're a dad, just, and you, especially if you have a child at home, you do everything you can to uh, pour into them. Now, B, if you're a dad, and we're going to get to if you're a son in a minute, but if you're a dad, it's never too late to close the gap with your son, no matter how old they are. Uh, maybe you've made mistakes, but you know what? God is the God of redemption and restoration. And so it's never, ever too late to go and, and at least make this attempt. Uh, think about how God does forgiveness. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God says, I, I, I am able to cleanse you. I'm able to rebuild you. I'm able to restore you. And, and I got to tell you, I've seen this happen. I, I've watched dads who, who messed it up time and time again. And, and I've watched them go to their kids and say, Is there any way we could try to put this back together? Now, I've seen sometimes where the kids were so hurt or they had gone on so much, they said, I just can't revisit that. But I want to tell you that is by far the minority. By far the minority. And and if nothing else, you've given your kids a right at that moment to take ownership of what's going on and not just kind of abandon them. But I want to tell you in the vast majority of cases, by far the majority, I've watched dads go and say to their kids, forgive me, we can't take it back, but can we do some things now? Can we begin some restoration? In the vast majority of cases, I've seen that work in amazing ways. I was doing a men's retreat um, it, it, a little while ago, actually, up in the Angeles National Forest, and, and I was speaking on a lot of things, but one man in particular, I saw, he's kind of a big guy, older guy, and I noticed him struggling. And uh, so we got a chance to talk afterwards, and I said, what, what, what's going on? And he said, you know what, uh, I, I, I was a horrible father, horrible husband, I wrecked the family, I left him. I haven't talked to my son in eight or nine years. He's married. I, I found out I just have a grandchild, and yeah, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, let's go call him. He said, nah, he wouldn't want to talk to me. I said, well, you, when's the last time you tried? He said, well, I haven't tried. I said, well, you don't know. I said, he may say no. He may say, I, I don't want anything to do with you. But, but you haven't tried. And until you do, you're just, and, and being a Christian is about taking risks. Being a Christian is about taking steps of faith and saying, God, I know my son has something against me. So what does the Bible say? If you are even in the midst of an intense worship time, offering the greatest offering you can to God, you leave it before him and you go and seek the reconciliation. I said, that's what God wants you to do. The worst thing that can happen right now is you'll probably get a no or a phone machine. Let's try it. So we prayed, and I want to tell you, I'm not kidding about this. I'm not even overemphasizing. I watched this guy's hand shaking as that phone's ringing, and he sat there, and uh, there was an answer, and I obviously couldn't hear the son well. I could hear a voice, and he said, son, uh, this is your father. And he said, I, I, don't, I don't even know what to say, except I'm sorry. And I heard you had a baby, and I think you'll be a better dad than I'd ever be. And then I could hear from the receiver, not the words, I could hear crying. And I could hear a voice. And he said, really? Really? And uh, he's crying now? 
And he looks at me and said, just a second, he looks up, he said, he wants me to come see my grandchild. And uh, he gets back on the phone and says, when can I come? And the son was sent, come now. And he said, I'm going. And he grabbed his stuff and hopped in his car and drove. Now, now, why do we think we can't try? And when we pray and pray and pray, let me tell you, not, not in my kids' lives, but uh, I was taught a long time ago by wiser people than me to take serious the fact of restoration of relationships. And so I've, I've got a, a mental list, and the good news for me is it's not too long, and I hope it doesn't get any longer, of people that I want to seek restoration with. That, that maybe they feel I did something that hurt them or maybe they just uh, uh, didn't understand or, or we miscommunicated. I don't know all the reasons why. It's some of them I might. But, but what's important to me isn't the reason. What's important to me is, am I going to do everything I can to try to restore it? And then I, I have certain times of the year I go through that list and I pray, God, is this one of those moments to take a shot again? But I certainly know it's not a moment never to do it. How much more should we do that for a family member? Whether it's a mom or a dad or a son or a daughter, an ex-wife. Uh, uh, why wouldn't we do that? And you know what? We might get hurt. We might get hurt, but you know what? It's, it's worth the risk. Uh, in that, that book, uh, In the Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day, uh, he didn't say this in the book, but I've been telling all the rest of my friends, I say, when you get in the pit with the lion, you're going to get scratched. I don't think that God's promising no scratch marks. But I am telling you the greatest thing that could ever happen is being faithful to him. And this is those times you ought to risk getting scratched. You should go for it. It's never too late to close the gap. Uh, number C, if you're a single dad or a dad separated from your son by divorce or a dad who has inherited a son through marriage, Seek help and sound strategy. I, I want to read that again. I think this is so good. It says, if you're a single dad or a dad separated from your son by divorce, or a dad who has inherited a son through remarriage, seek help and strategy. In other words, I think that being a parent's a, a difficult thing to do anyway. We should always seek help and strategy. But more than ever, if you're in a fractured relational setting or you're in a blended family, there's so many things that go into being great in that situation that you want to get as much strategy as you can. And you want to make intentional plans. And let me actually, I'm going to bring in my point here other than Lewis's. And with your kids, have a strategy to be there for them. Proverbs 21, 5, one of my favorite passages says, the plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes to poverty. When someone is just kind of trying to make it, kind of trying to fit, well, the truth of the matter is, is, is you're just letting life do an ebb and flow. You've got to be strategic in it. You've got to block out some time on a calendar, block out some prayer time. You've got to do whatever you can. There's so many myths out there that, that are floating against the facts. Let me, let me hit you with some of them. Number one, Divorce won't affect them, and they'll eventually get over it. Well, I'm not saying they're not going to get through it, but I don't know that you ever truly get over it, and divorce does affect children. It doesn't matter what age. Uh, divorce, uh, they, they say, well, we don't love each other anymore, but they tell their kids, we'll never stop loving you. I mean, I want you to think about what, I hope that would be true, but over again, I've watched it not be true, and, and it sounds like pretty empty words. When you're a child looking at a mom and dad separating and walking away and, 
And the words are, well, we used to love each other, but now we don't anymore. But oh, my love for you is different. Is it? And, um, and that's a myth, I think. Uh, when you're going into a blended family, here's a, here's a myth statement that I think you need to be careful of. I am just going to raise them like I have all my other children. No. In a blended setting, you've got to do a lot of strategizing, a lot of listening, a lot of negotiating. If you're the blended person in there, you've got to work real hard to know your role, know your boundaries, and, and know where you're, you should be and where you shouldn't be. And, and I'm not saying you can't be a vital part of the children's life, but you, you've got to really think that through. Another myth is, I know I won't be around for a while, but we can make it up later. Man, you never get those moments back. You never get them back. It just goes too quick. How about this one? I'll make up for all the loss that they are missing on weekends. Now, if you can only be there on weekends, be there. But man, time. Time with kids, watching them sleep, watching how they get up in the morning, listening to what they say around a breakfast. I mean, those are the moments, and, and we can't do that. What we can do is this. We can read and research. I want to say this. If you are in a situation like what we're talking about, get books by James Dobson. I was looking, I, rather than recommending one or two, I would say just begin to look at it. And, and Dobson has amazing books. There are three great books by Chuck Swindoll on families. All his books are good. Three are on families and how to have an, an amazing family. Get them. Uh, so read and research. Get your hands on as many books as you can. Uh, the other thing is get advice from others. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, where there is guidance, the people, or where there is no guidance, the people fall. But in the abundance of counselors, there's victory. And so you know what? Go and ask other people who are doing it right. There are some amazing blended families in this church. And they're joyous and happy. Go talk to them and see what are they doing, what they tried that worked, what didn't work. Know that your family's different. But take a shot at learning some things. Uh, if you're a person who's been uh, alienated from your kids by divorce and you want to be more involved, find some advice about how you can insert yourself back in healthy ways uh, without causing more confusion and, 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 and more uh, confrontation. But, but you know what? Get advice from other people. Then here's the, the last thing in this section. Grab this. Really listen to your children and really watch and observe them. And this is the key line, not in a negative way. Learn your kids. Learn their likes. Learn their dislikes. Observe them. Get to know them. Pray for spiritual intuitiveness. Say, God, I care about this child. I want to know what they love and don't love. And don't judge them for it. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't direct or guide. I'm not saying that at times you shouldn't step in and you've got to know those moments. There definitely is a need for discipline. But what we're talking about is really, truly knowing your kids. Uh, I was just in a situation with a a fifth grade young guy who I want to tell you this kid's off the charts in his love for God, off the charts in his love for his dad and his mom. And, and there's some fracturedness between the dad and mom, their divorce. And, and he, the kid sat in front of me crying because his mom's not walking with God, but his dad is. And, and you know what? I, I got to tell you, the, the, the guy's a, a fairly emotional young guy. His emotions can go high and low pretty quickly, but he's got this amazingly sensitive heart. And so we were in this particular moment. He's like, Dad, Dad. And he's starting to cry. And uh, his grandfather looks up and goes, stop crying. And the dad's like, no, no, come on, man. And he grabs his son and hugs him. Now, you know what? I think it's probably a wise move is to guide the kid into some ability to control this, but not in a mean way, not in a slamming way, not in a way that takes away the tender heart. And I watched this dad who knew his son. And he was ready for that moment. And he was ready to tune in. 
And, and he'd stop and he'd just look him in the eye. And I thought, man, that's a, that's a good dad. That's a good dad. And, and his son's that fifth grade kid who's hyper. And I got to be honest, he's clumsy. Goes running over and hits something and breaks it. And he looks over and he's just so out there. And the dad was so good. He goes, you know what? Okay, son, you know what? You broke that thing. Come on, let's go tell. And, and we'll take care of it together. And, and what he didn't do was go, how could you break it? We need to be careful about that. Uh, my uh, son, Tim, got into a traffic accident, called me on the phone, and I made the mistake. He said, Dad, I've just been in an accident. And I said, how's the van? And my wife hit me. She goes, no, you're supposed to ask how he is. Well, you know what? I, I, I got to be honest. I got with Tim, and I said, okay, how could you do that? Tim, you should have known better. What do you think God did two days later? You don't think I, I got in an accident? And I ha- you know what? It's, I think God, I, I, you say, well, I did it, but I think God loved every moment of it. And, uh, you know, and, and, and we need to study our kids and not crush them. Now, D, here we go. If you're a son, we were talking about if you're a dad. If you're a son wounded by dad, choose to touch this wound responsibly. Choose to touch this wound responsibly. Now, how do you do that? There's two ways. Number one, are you ready? By choosing to forgive your dad. Now, forgiveness doesn't mean it's okay. But forgiveness says, I'm not going to hold this against you and I'm going to let go. You're not saying it's okay, but you're choosing to forgive. Hebrews 12, 9 and 10 says, Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time. Now listen to what it says, as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good so that we may share in his holiness. Now why is that verse important to what we're talking about? Grab this. It says that the vast majority of dads, they really did take a shot. They did try. It was, that's why when I see a son who's struggling with his father no matter what age. And I asked this question, how was he with his dad? And he said his dad wasn't there for him either. Well, well now he's trying to do the best he can. Uh, someone who's super close to me. Um, the father is a great guy. He's a lousy dad. He didn't know how to be a dad. And uh, it wasn't that long ago, I'm sitting and talking and, and I got to dig into it. And come to find out, at 12 years of age, he lost his father because his dad just took off. Left the family devastated financially. At 12 years of age, this, this guy who's now got adult children started working uh, in a factory. At nights, he would sleep in the factory. I mean, it's the story, but I found out it's true. So that was how he was raised. And to this day, he could hardly talk about his father. Well, now his kids, he... He thinks he's a great dad because he's doing better for them than his dad did for them. But he's not doing what a dad does. He's trying his best. So this person I'm close to, we're starting to talk about all this and they got pretty emotional and said, you know, I wish they'd been different, but he, he tried his best. And uh, I'm going to love him for that. I'm going to honor him for that. And, and I'm going to forgive the things that, that didn't happen, the things that weren't right. And, and we need to do that. Matthew 6, 12 to 15 says, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then it goes on to say, for God, yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. But listen to what it says next. For if you forgive others for their transgression, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive you. 
we need to forgive. We need to, we, we, by our nature, our supernatural nature, are forgiving people. And, and in this one, more than ever, Matthew 18, 35, Jesus says this, my heavenly father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive from the heart. Now Jesus is saying, in other words, not good things are gonna happen in your life, but where does forgiveness come from? It comes from the heart and we need to grab it. Uh, I don't know if you've read a book called A Child Called It. It's, uh, it's tough to read. It, it, it's, it's worth reading, but it's the, probably the worst case of child abuse I've ever heard of in my life. And this particular mother refused to call her son by his name. She always called him It. And even though she had other children she treated nicely, she hated him. She starved him. She put bleach in his, made him drink bleach. It almost killed him. Didn't take him to the doctor. And the dad sat there. And never once defended him, even though he saw physical abuse at an extreme like you've never seen before. And uh, in the book, he says this. He said, I learned something, though. If I'm ever going to be free from what she did to me and free from my dad never standing in, I had to forgive them. And you know what's amazing? This guy who wrote this book, A Child Called It, today is, is, is living a life that's actually pretty successful. And he says, you know what? But forgiveness was the key. And when I read that he could forgive, I thought, you know what, the Lord, you, you want us to do that. Uh, a guy I was in men's fraternity with back when I was, was listening and studying this had a father who was just horrible. And his father had passed away. And he thought, you know what I need to do? I need to handle this in a healthy way. So what he did is he wrote a letter to his dad saying, I forgive you. Right, It was actually turned into a pretty long letter. Dad, I forgive you for these, 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 and all the things I can't even hardly face up to, and he went and stood at his father's grave and read it, and he said before he knew it, he was crying and, and just looking at that grave, he said, Dad, I forgive you. I wish we could have been different, but I'm gonna let it go, and he told me that when he walked away from that, he felt so free. Maybe you need a moment like that. You need a moment to, to let that happen, so we need to choose to forgive. Number two, we can deal with this by choosing to believe in God's justice. Now, in the vast majority of cases, people just messed up, but sometimes dads are just evil. And in that particular case, what do you do? You choose to forgive. You do forgive, but you say, God, I'm going to put them into your hands because I'm going to trust in your ultimate judgment. Revelation 12, 19 says, Never take your own vengeance, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So we say to God, you know what? I, I am, I, what happened was evil and wrong, and I'm going to forgive, but God, I'm going to trust that in the end you will judge. You'll judge. And in some cases, that is part of what you need to do. Now, as we get ready to wind down, catch this. If you're a son wounded by a dad, and this is in your book number E, courageously seek reconciliation with your father. Now again, if you're a son, we were talking to dads before, but if you're a son wounded by a dad, courageously seek rec reconciliation with your father. Now, most likely your dad's not gonna come to you. And, and this is gonna take courage. You're gonna take a risk here. It's a step of manhood to go and, and, and try to reconcile. I'm not promising, no one's promising it's gonna work out, but what you need to do is get to a place where you can try to look him in the eye, you need to speak the truth, and you need to do this whether you're successful or not because it's the right thing to do, it's the righteous thing to do, to try to restore. And uh, we need to do this. Uh, under this, if you've got your book, it says, number one, there may be separation between your dad that springs from your dad's relational shortcomings. Relational shortcomings. Think about this. What we've been talking about is breaking the cycle. And he just may not be able to do it. So you're going to have to try to do it for him. 
Robert Lewis was saying that when he hit this place, he called his dad on the phone, and he, uh, his dad answered, and he goes, hi, dad, and his dad goes, no, 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 he goes, he goes dad, I'll, I'll, he said, how, how you doing, dad, and the dad said, well, let me get your mother, that's what he always said, he goes, no, dad, can we talk, he goes, no, I'll get your mom, so he tried a couple days later, he called and said, uh, hey, dad, dad said, oh, I'll get your mom, he goes, dad, I really want to talk to you, and it took three times for the dad to get, the, oh, wait, you're calling to talk to me? He said, Dad, I want to talk to you. And a day came where he looked his dad in the eye and he said, Dad, I want to tell you something. I, uh, I, I love you. I wish we'd had a better relationship. And I want to ask you something. Do you love me? And he said he sat there. Now, Lewis by then is a college-level football player, big guy. He said he was quivering inside what the answer would be. But he thought, I got to try. I got to try. And his dad said, I, I do, I, I love you. Now, he didn't do it right, did it mostly wrong. But he said, I've got to seek this, and you may need to seek it. Uh, one of my dearest friends, his father, was so out of the picture that he hit a place like this. He thought, I've got to seek it. And so they actually began to call relative after relative after relative. They thought they might have to hire a private detective to find his father. Found out his father was living in Victorville. He had never, ever seen his dad. And so he and his brother got in the car and they prayed and they went out to Victorville to find this man that they couldn't even recognize. And when they found him, they introduced who they were. They said, we're, we're, we're your sons. And he said, really? And they said, can we talk with you? And this guy was an alcoholic. He's wasting his life. And they sat down and they began to share. Bill and John, like I said, are two of my dearest friends. And, and they started a relationship with him that eventually led to a night where I gave an invitation and their father came forward and they went in the back and they talked with him. They ended up baptizing him. And when he died, they got to do his funeral. You, you know what? It's, it's, it, it never was perfect, but it was meaningful that they could seek restora restoration. If you're a son, take a shot at it. And, and it may be he just doesn't get it. He has relational shortcomings. The second thing is there may be separation between you and your dad that springs from past conflict that you need to clean up. Maybe you had one of those moments where you screamed, I hate you and never want to see you again. Well, you need to go say, look, I want to take that back. Maybe, you know, you, you screamed at him. You were never there for mom and I. So, you know, I don't know. But there was a past conflict you need to get settled and, and put behind you. And you need to make sure and do that and, uh, and, and take care of it. La get ready. If you're a son wounded by dad, Risk asking for your father's love. If you're a son wounded by dad, risk asking. Go to him, seek it, ask him if he'll love you. Take a shot at it. How about this? If you're a son wounded by dad, risk asking for your father's blessing. Now, that's a little bit different. You, you know, where you, you go say, look, I, I forgive you, I love you, do you love me? But now you're going and saying, well, you know what, I, I, want, I want you to bless me in my life. The fatherly blessing's a big deal. Believe it or not, you're being proud of me. Your blessing me matters. Can we get to know each other so you could actually be able to look and say, this is something you could be proud of in my life. I'm seeking your blessing. Now, for some of you, you'd say, I don't want that from him. Well, no, you do. You do. You want to take a shot at it. It's a way of honoring. It's a way of seeking it. It's a way of restoration. And how about this? Last one. If you're a son wounded by dad, reclaim the relationship you missed by becoming a good dad to your children. I have watched this over and over. Where uh, a guy who didn't have a good family ends up being the most amazing father ever. 
A guy who didn't have a good family ended up being a great husband. I've watched people break the cycle. I've watched people whose dads were distant and they, they say, you know what, I'm not going to be that way. I'm going to be close to my kids. I've watched guys who grew up where their father would never touch the kid, never change a diaper, never uh, enter. And all of a sudden they said, you know what, that's wrong. I'm going to be touching my kids. I'm going to, to be involved. We're going to parent these children together. I've watched people break the cycle. And you know, you, it, it does happen where you say, you know what, my parents didn't have a great marriage. I'm going to have one and you can or, or my parents weren't loving to me. I'm going to be loving. And you, you can. You can choose to break the cycle. Uh, and that ends up being the theme of today. If you were here this morning, remember this morning was about we have a choice. We have a choice. We always can choose. So I want you to think about this. If you have, if you're a son and you've had these wounds, think about the three things you can do to go create change. If you're a dad and you have these wounds, I want you to ask God to help you go and make a difference. But most of all, we need it, we need to do it with God. You're not in it alone. If you want to see this healing, if you want to see this change in your life, if you want the ability to forgive, you've got to make sure you're in an intimate relationship with God. And so I, I tonight want to tell you, he loves you, he cares about you. If you're a son and who has not had a dad, God says, I want to be a father to you who are fatherless. I want to be your Abba. And, and God just loves you. If you're someone who's gotten caught up in things and it's caused you not to be the man you should be, God says, I love you and I want to heal that in you. I'm always amazed that, that we probably all know this. If I said, did Jesus die for your sins? Like everybody here would say yes. But do you realize he didn't just die for your sins, he died for your hurts and pains. It says he took our, our griefs and our sorrows upon himself. So tonight, if you need to be forgiven, if you need to be cleansed, if you need to be healed, and you're not close to the Lord, tonight I want to invite you to pray a prayer to commit your life to him and commit yourself to being the man he wants you to be. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the fact that when, when you invade our life by our permission, when we say yes to you, that you come and you bring healing and you come and you bring strength. And God, you cause us to be able to put away all those old hurts and pains and not have them keep us prisoner to them. And Jesus, you allow us to become a new creation where all of the old is passed away and all things become new. And that means, Lord, for some of the men here, they, they can be the dads they're supposed to be. They, that can become new again and they can be a different person and they can do it. For some of the sons here, Father, it means that they can actually reclaim a relationship with the Father, and maybe it won't be perfect, but Lord, what they can do is reach out and try and, and find you in the midst of that situation, moving in their lives and hearts. For everyone here who needs to forgive, God, as we forgive, you forgive us in even deeper ways, and we find ourselves set free. So Lord, I pray for your Holy Spirit to move in this room right now. And I pray for any man here who has an absent father wound that tonight would be a night of amazing touch by you and healing. And they would walk out of here with a, no hole in their life, but with you filling it with your love, grace, and mercy and strength. God, for, for every man here who needs to go and, and talk with someone, I pray they'd find the courage to do it. And, and then you'd create the right place and time. But Father, right now, I ask for your Holy Spirit to move in such a way for anybody who just needs you right now to commit their life to you or to recommit that you would touch them and they'd want to do it. I want to ask that we keep praying. I'm going to lead a prayer and give you an opportunity tonight if you want to commit yourself to the Lord or recommit your life to Him.
And I'm going to ask you right where you're sitting just to whisper this prayer with me. But I'd like to know, is God touching anybody? And is this your time to say, I'm just going to be committed to the Lord or recommit? And if you're going to pray this prayer with me, would you let me know you're going to do it by lifting your hand in the air and looking at me and then you can put it down. It's tonight a night for anybody here to say, this is it. I want to be all out for Jesus. I want to be sold out for him. Just lift your hand where I can see you. Okay, if God's calling you to do this right now, just whisper this prayer with you. Praise God for you. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. And right here, praise God. If God's calling you to do that, just just pray this, whisper these words. Say this. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me. And you died for my sins. So I ask that you would cleanse me completely. Heal me of my hurts. Fill me with your love. Make me new and make me alive. Help me be who you've always created me to be. And help me live the life that I was made to live. And I want to be yours. In Jesus' name, amen.